All right. Well, we've only got one week to go, and I'm super excited. I'm going to be able to see all of you here in person, and I know that you're excited too. Just a reminder that you can register for the service that you want to attend on July the 12th, next Sunday, 9am, 11am. There'll be kids and bubs available for the two morning services, 9 and 11. And so you need to let us know at hillschurch.org.au. Right on the front page there, it says register and let us know uh, if you and, or, or which service you and your family are going to attend. Now, we, do so, we also want to let you know, and this is really important, that the online uh, service will continue and it will be live. And so if you can't make it yet, church, if you can't make it here on July the 12th, you'll still be able to join us online at 9 o'clock. It'll be on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I just want to also remind you, you know, if for any reason uh, you shouldn't attend yet, then, then please don't do that. So if you've got any underlying medical conditions, then um, please stay at home for a little bit longer or until you think the right time for you to return is. Um, but let us know because, you know, we want to stay in touch with you. We want to be able to pray with you and for you as well. Also, if you've got any... If you're showing any symptoms, you know, you're not well, then you know, it's best, obviously, to stay home until you feel better as well. All right. Last thing. As you come on July the 12th, next Sunday, we recommend you get here at least 10 minutes early because everybody has to check in. Not just the kids, the adults too. You know, we have to have your information for con- uh, contact tracing purposes. You know, that's, that's a, the legislation. And so there's just going to be a little bit of a process. You know, be, be patient with that. And we'll check everyone in at the door. You'll only be able to come in one way and exit the other way. And there'll be all the usual things that you're used to doing when you're out and about at the shops and all that sort of things. Hand, hand sanitizer, keeping the spacing, all that kind of stuff. There'll be people here to help you with that as well. I do have one more thing, actually. This, uh, we, we've already started... Wednesday just gone, but this is a month of prayer and fasting, and so we, I want to encourage you uh, on Wednesdays to fast during the day, and uh, when you come to pray on a Wednesday night, either here in the church or at home, uh, we, we'll be giving you some ideas of what to pray for, but then you can end your fast after that prayer time. So this is a month, you know, as a church, we, wanna, we really want to be connecting with God together. You know, as we come back together... It's focusing in on God and what it is that he wants of us. You know, we're going to be asking him for his will to be done, to hear his voice clearly, for, for there to be a, a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in this church and in this neighbourhood. And so I, I want to encourage you, come along one Wednesday night in July, please, if you can, even if it's just one, we'd love to have you here. The first two Wednesday nights, as you're aware, they're, they're limited to to 20, but there will be another room available if we have more than 20 come along. So, July, month of prayer and fasting. Please remember that. Okay, we're in a series in James, and even though this series is called More Than Words, today's actually about words, ironically. One thing to keep in mind is that when I say more than words, I'm really talking about you know, our stated belief in, in God. And James talks about how it's got to be more than just an acknowledgement. I'm a follower of Christ. He says, we should be able to see it. You know, 
in your words, in your actions, in your deeds. So you know what I mean when I say more than words. If we said out loud that we're Christians and followers of, of his, but on the other hand, our words perhaps do harm to other people, then that, that's not faith in action. You know, something's missing. If we lack the same love and compassion for others that Jesus and his disciples had, James would say that that kind of faith without deeds, you know, he, he says it, the Bible says it, that it's a dead faith. And it's not lost to me that most of the deeds that James refers to, you know, it tends to be centered around loving people. You know, it's not just the live a good life stuff, as important as all those things are. You can't miss it when you read through James. His expression of deeds really is how we love people. And I hope that's clear to you. Now, have you ever had a time when you've opened your mouth and you kind of regretted it? And there's been damage as a result or conflict or hurt or, or confusion. You know, I've, I've got many of those times in my, my life. And I, and I imagine that many of you do too. And we don't, perhaps don't mean to cause trouble. Perhaps, and I've done this one, we try to be funny. And it kind of backfires, not because we're not funny, but because someone may get a little bit offended by the things that we've said. Sometimes we talk when emotions are high, you know, you can kind of lash out a little bit, especially if we're feeling angry. I talked about that one a few weeks ago, if I remember rightly. Sometimes we talk out of ignorance, you know, or, or defensiveness. Sometimes we do actually mean to cause trouble and we, we say things because we're trying to get our way. We, we want to manipulate people or a situation. Maybe we exaggerate things to bring attention to ourselves. You know, I remember times in my life when I've said the wrong things, sometimes it was out of hurt or anger or just, you know, said stupid things. We've all seen leaders and maybe politicians say the wrong thing that can have an effect, sometimes even a devastating effect. You know, parents sometimes in frustration can hurt their children, and, and, and vice versa, by the way. Children hurt their parents with their words. Siblings, by the way, are, are very good at um, zeroing in on the, on the buttons, that, you know, pressing the buttons for their, their siblings. They're good at hurting each other. Students talk inappropriately about teachers and teachers about students. Church leaders and pastors are not immune from causing damage with their words either. And uh, I've... You know, we've all perhaps been witness to that sometimes. So in light of all those things, we're going to jump into the passage of James today. We're in chapter 3. We're getting there. Five chapters in James. We're at the start of chapter 3 at verse 1. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a great verse for us pastors to read, isn't it? You know? <laughs> We're going to be judged more strictly. And sometimes I wonder, is he talking about being judged by people or judged in the heavenly sense, you know, by God? Well, we know the first thing's true, that as a, as a teacher or a leader, you, you will be judged more strictly by people. But I, I suspect that it's true also that there is a, there's a high standard for leaders that God holds to, to people. You know, he, he says things in the Word, Jesus himself, like, you know, better to... 
put a, a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea than lead people astray. So that, you know, if you're moving into leadership, not to scare you, <laughs> but there's a high standard that God expects of, of leaders. If he's called you there, go for it. Go in strong. But if he hasn't, just be cautious. So James, he starts talking about leaders and teachers first. You know, he was a, a leader himself. He was, he was in charge of the whole church in Jerusalem. So this context for him was very personal. And he makes that first point about, the, about leaders, and I think he's referring specifically in the church. But then he switches, James switches from teachers and leaders to talking about controlling your tongue. And that's where we're going to focus in on today. The two are linked, but this is for everybody. It's not just for leaders, not just for teachers. Obviously, it's an important prerequisite for any person. If you're considering leadership, you know, does that person know how to control their tongue? Do, do the words that flow from their mouth, do they reflect well on Christ? So verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, this is interesting, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. You know, it's another one of those big statements that we've been reading from James every single week. Are the things we say really that serious that we would be considered perfect just because we learn to control what comes out of our mouth? Like, when you first read that, you think, that seems like he's going a little bit too far. And maybe James is using a bit of hyperbole here, um, but there's an, there is an important principle and the more I thought about it, the more it actually made sense. Most of what we do that gets us into trouble or is offensive to God, you know, it flows from here, doesn't it? It, it comes from the tongue, the mouth. I might even say sometimes my big mouth. So much of it starts here. It made me think about all the different ways that our mouth uh, can be guilty of doing the wrong thing. You know, it begins and inflames conflict, for example. It's the source of judging others. It's the primary weapon of choice for abuse and harm. It's the outlet for anger and intimidation. It's the spreader of, uh, of gossip and slander. It's the instrument of boasting. And, and, you know, this is where pride is often revealed and arrogance. It's where lies flow from, it's sometimes it can leave us embarrassed and in shame because we say things in the heat of the moment. And, it, and quite frankly, the tongue, it reveals us as hypocrites, and we're going to find out some more about that in a moment. The more you think about it, the more you, you can see where James is coming from. If we're claiming with, with this same mouth that we're followers of Jesus all those things, and there's probably others that I haven't thought of, they really shouldn't exist. You know, they should be minimal. So just imagine a life where none of those things flowed from our mouth. Like none. What, what kind of life would, would we lead? And you can see now what I mean about James saying, well, we'd almost be perfect just because we got mouths, our mouths under control. I think he's onto something. So in light of that, I ask this question that I've been asking every single week. Is it obvious to people that I love Jesus? You know, in context of this, 
the words that I, that I speak to people and the way I speak them, you know, the heart behind them, does that reveal Jesus to people? Can people see that I'm a, uh, that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of his? Or, or does it, is it not obvious? Because if they don't, if they can't tell by my language, by how I speak, how much faith do I really have? And perhaps the question should be, how serious is my repentance? Remember, James says, we have to see the good deeds. We have to see it in us for people to know that we have faith. Without that, there's something wrong with our faith. You know, it might even be dead, which are not my words. His words, you know, the brother of Jesus, he's the one saying this to us. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rider makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set off a great can set a great forest on fire and among all the parts of the body the tongue is a flame of fire it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set your whole life on fire listen to this bit for it is set on fire by hell itself i mean this is pretty serious stuff that james is saying here you know, we have a powerful weapon at our disposal, really. The tongue, the mouth, is a powerful weapon. And it can be used for good or evil. But there's two things that I, I just don't want you to miss in those verses there. The first thing is that the tongue can destroy your life and an entire church or organization. You know, just one person can set a church on fire. And I don't mean the Holy Spirit fire, by the way. You know, I'm kind of... I'm leaning more towards the fires of hell. <laughs> it's that kind of fire that we're talking about today. The point is, you know, we're a church body with an average of maybe over 200 on a Sunday. There's close to 400 of us all up. But the power of one tiny spark that James is talking about, we shouldn't underestimate it. And I think Satan knows it as well. We put it, when we put it in context with the first verse about leaders, you know, it kind of becomes more obvious but this is not just a warning to leaders. Just one person, one spark has the potential to turn into a raging fire that can consume us all. And also the personal warning, you know, it's true for you just as an individual. This tongue can be, it can just start a fire that can, it can burn your life. It can burn your relationships with your, your spouse or your kids or your friends or your work colleagues. You know, what, it's just... This one little part of us that can cause the most damage. Number two, just from that passage we read, the tongue, my tongue, can be used by Satan to do his will. You know, I don't, I don't want to say this. I don't want to admit to it. Again, I'm just reading the Bible. So let me read it again. We were back at verse six. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. And the wider body I'm adding in, it can set your whole life on fire. For it, the tongue, 
is set on fire by hell itself. Now listen, you know I'm not one to blame Satan for everything that goes wrong in our life, in the world or in our, in our church. We're, we're pretty good at doing that often without his help. But we know that Satan works hard to bring temptation our way. You know, he's on the prowl. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And he lays traps for us. You know, he baits us into being offended. And it's a big one. Easily offended often results in that little spark turning into a raging fire. You know, he loves to stir up our pride and selfishness that sometimes leads us into saying the wrong things. And he stirs up jealousy and situations that lead us down the wrong path. The very things we say. Now hear this carefully. The very things we say may be the very things Satan wants us to say. You know, when I look at that verse, I can see it in there, set on fire by hell itself. You know, it's a big caution for us. You know, I've been guilty of it at times, I'm sure. And I pray I will never be that way again, that my words, my tongue will only be used to say things that glorify God and not help Satan in his task. Glorify God and nothing else. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. He's going on about this. It must be important. Verse 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this, this is not right. And so again, James makes his point. You know, what kind of faith do we have? If on one hand we're praising God with this mouth and the next we're harming people with the same mouth. The two really shouldn't happen together because it kind of it makes a mockery of the first, the first praising God and then harming others. Same mouth. If your mouth is lifting God up with praises on Sunday but tearing down people with judgment and slander on Mondays, you know, would James say that that's a dead faith? I think we just need to think about that for a moment because the two don't work because the people we harm with our words are made in the image of God we have no right to judge others and slander them and harm them they are made in God's image our job is to love others and see them as precious the same way that God sees them and our words should reflect it verse 11 does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You know, in other words, I think here's what James is saying. This mouth of ours can reveal us to be hypocrites way too easily. And I think this is what sometimes the, the world struggles with with the church. Because we talk about Christ, a loving God, who tells us to love even our enemies, but they don't always experience it in their interactions with the church. Now, we, we are a loving church, I know. I'm, I'm talking about in general, that this has been often the experience of people. Now, several years ago, I remember a young man, 
He'd made some decisions in his young adult life uh, that didn't really please his parents very well, and there was a lot of conflict. And he said to me, you know, Nathan, I, I feel more loved by my non-Christian friends than by my own Christian parents and the church. And, and it got me really thinking hard about how we speak to pe- people. Now, I know it's not loving to endorse perhaps some um, sinful actions, but there should never be any, now, any doubt about our love for someone, even someone who would disagree with us or we would disagree with them. Even if we're disappointed, even if we've been let down. We may need words of gentle correction at times, but if we can't do correction without leaving any doubt that we deeply love that person, I say don't do the correction until you can. We're better off saying nothing if our words and actions don't communicate love. We're not doing faith in action. And you know what? My experience is when someone's trying to bring correction and it's not done in love, the people don't hear the correction anyway. It actually makes no difference. There's no results. So if you want to bring correction effectively, that person needs to know how much you love them first. That's the first thing. Now, I'm not perfect at this, but I'd love to keep growing in this area. It's all connected. You know, the previous weeks on anger and discrimination, you know, uh, listening to people better, it's all the way through James. These are the deeds, the good deeds that I think he's calling us to. But I want to conclude today by leaving James just for a second and hearing the words of Jesus because if today you're sitting at home and you know you have a problem with your tongue, with your mouth, with your words, but you just can't seem to get it under control, Jesus actually points to the source of the problem. And, you know, like James, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush sometimes. He does it lovingly, (laughs) but he does get to the point. You'd almost think they were brothers. Luke 6, because they are, by the way, Luke 6, 45. Here's what Jesus said. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. You know, we just need to think about this for a second, about what's coming out of here. Because it reveals what's right here. If you have a problem here, you have a problem here. There's a cure for this though. I'm going to suggest it requires us to get on our knees and admit that we need Jesus. You know, admit what's this hard heart here. Confess to him. Repent of your ways. Ask Jesus to take complete control and surrender all to him. You know, our God, is, he is loving. He is grace-filled and merciful. And nothing would please him more than to not only bring forgiveness, but to, to say, I want to change that heart. That, that's his desire for us today, is to purify right here. Our God is a, a loving God. If you want to change today, That's where we start, but it it takes more than that. It's a daily thing. Change like that requires you to spend every day with the Lord, and I would suggest with someone else, you know, a mentor or a church, 
or someone who would encourage you along that way and, and you'd give them permission to pull you up when you said the wrong things or they, you know, your heart's revealing something not quite right. Often, uh, you know, I heard Pastor Adam speaking earlier about the course he's doing with the young adults, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, it's like a, uh, there's a loop that goes on here. This heart here is often transformed by what's going on up here. So we've got to start with the rewiring in our heads sometimes. We've got to think of things differently. We've got to spend time with people differently, with God differently, and be changed to change this so that this is changed. I hope you can see what I'm talking about there. Church, don't let pride stop you from doing this. We can walk through life tearing people down and starting fires. That does not represent the kingdom one bit. Or you can walk through your life building people up and revealing Jesus. You know, this is the core of our faith. It's how we love people. This is the life to the full, I think, that Jesus was talking about. It's the kingdom culture. So which person do you want to be today? The one that tears people down or builds them up? You know, I want to be more like that second person, the builder. Not the tearing down person. So I'm going to pray for myself today and I'm going to pray for you as well and I invite you at home to join with me in prayer as we ask God to renew our minds change our heart and be revealed in how we use our tongue and speak to people let's pray together Father I thank you for these words you know they're they're convicting Lord and that's I guess that's the purpose because your desire for us is to be more like you. It's to change. It's to be holy. It's to, to bring uh, peace into this world. It's to bring life into this world, to bring life into other people's lives. God, I want to be more like that. God, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong things to and about people. So, Lord, change my heart. You know, once again, we... We pray that scripture says, search my heart, O God. Reveal any wicked way in me. And I pray that again today, God. You know, if there's any, if there's any corner of my heart that's, that's still dark, that still uh, doesn't know how to love people like you do, I pray you change it today through your Holy Spirit, through your power. Come and fill me today. And I pray for everyone watching today at home the same thing, Lord. God, I pray for a church filled with people who use their mouths, use their tongues, Lord, to glorify you and to lift people up, to never start um, you know, the, the raging fires that come from hell, but rather, Lord, to spread life to all those around us. God, I pray that this church would be filled to overflowing like that. You know, the streams of living water will flow out of us in, into others. Let this be a church, Lord, that, that shines brightly like that. I pray for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.